Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, Atlanta, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is brought to you by CDI Managed Services, where we outsource IT consulting, integrated solutions, infrastructure, monitoring, and management, and private and public cloud hosting. I'm Dom Rainey, and I'll be hosting today's show. Wow, we've got a full house here. It's uh, exciting always to have four people in the studio, sucking the energy right out of the room here. So uh, that's great. Um, we'll be talking with business leaders uh, who will give us their backgrounds and insight into their companies and uh, why they uh, certainly enjoy what they're doing and other other important information that they want to get out to the community here. First, from uh, L3 Communications, we'll be speaking with their VP of Operations, or I'm excuse, engineering. Correct. Engineering. And that's Tom Martin. And also, uh, we'll be speaking with a lady from Fraser and Dieter. She is Sabrina Safran, and she is the partner and also... Uh, she's in charge of the national process of uh, area of risk and governance practice. That's right. Well, we're going to have to find out. That's that's an intriguing title. Yeah. And then we'll also be speaking with Terry Goss, who is a chief support officer over at Sterling Risk Advisors. And then we'll wrap it up talking with Sarah Tatanchi, and she is executive director of the Southern Center for Human Rights. Welcome all. Thank well, you for thank getting you. up thank early you. this morning and putting us... Uh, First on li- on your list of things to do today. It's great to be uh, here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Okay, Tom, uh, why don't you kick things off? Tell us a little bit about L3 Communications. It's quite a company from what I was uh, doing a little research myself. And uh, tell us a little bit about your company and, you know, the spectrum of business areas that you guys cover. Okay. Um, L3 is a multi-billion dollar company headquartered in uh, New York, and we have offices around the world. They specialize in uh, uh, being a prime contractor in avionics and aerospace systems, and uh, as well as um, a lead supplier in uh, communications and electronic systems for both military and, and commercial applications. Yeah, and, and, and that must be an exciting uh, area to work in because it's ever-changing. I mean, it's a challenge as always, right? Oh, it is. And and the neat thing is, is we, we support the warfighter. Yeah. So... There's a lot of pride in that, and you know we we specialize in making sure the warfighter has uh, uh, the capability to provide a successful mission, and then <clears throat> in the commercial aerospace, we also specialize in uh, ensuring safe flight for the pilot, the crew, and the passengers. Yeah. So our products and um, and services uh, both support the warfighter as well as uh, commercial aerospace. Uh, applications. Yeah, Tom, you must have quite an R&D department there. Yes, we do. Um, uh, It's pretty neat. We have a a lot of engineers that are dedicated to um, investigating uh, unique technologies, um, specifically in the area of display applications, um, you know, and and high-speed signal processing. Mm -hmm. We specialize in taking in a lot of different video inputs and overlaying graphics on them. So think about uh, if you're a pilot and you have uh, a certain path you're going, you know, to be traveling, overlaying, uh, say, color weather radar on top of that. And then if you're in a military application, um, you know, identifying friend and foe in front of you and around you and giving them uh, a superior uh, vision of the overall scene that that you're uh, working in. Yeah. And all that at Mach 3, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just to put a little icing on the, on the cake. I don't know how those guys do it and how you guys. It's great that you provide that, that technology and make their life uh, really meaningful in terms of uh, being able to accomplish the missions. That's it's, it's interesting. And, and we also, um, you know, you know we, we pride ourselves in, in developing, you know, technology for specific applications. So anybody can get a, a, a display from, you know, Fry's and like a like a monitor or so forth but our our displays and, and uh, technology we have to be compliant with night vision goggles uh, as well as um, if you've ever taken a laptop out to the beach it completely washes out in direct sunlight 
our our displays have to operate in an open canopy cockpit, say like the F-35. So you have direct light, you have sunlight impinging on that display. So mm. we have to have advanced optics to uh, not wash out that display and be fully visible in direct sunlight. Uh, so they have to be high bright and and superior optics for that. And then at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, if they want to run a secret mission uh, under night and they're the, they're flying with night vision goggles, we have to be extremely low brightness and and operate under that uh, condition. Excellent, excellent. Well, your uh, your engineering background obviously has put you in the uh, in a great position there at uh, L three Communications. Uh, would you like to give us a little bit of background about your engineering and how you got to be a VP there at L three Communications? Yeah, so I I started out uh, getting my bachelor's degree in electrical engineering at Georgia Tech, and you know then uh, got a uh, a, a job right out of a school in the aerospace industry. And while working uh, full-time, went back at night and got a master's in electrical engineering. And then later on decided to go back uh, and through the, um, the University of Maryland, uh, got a PhD in their mechanical engineering department. And uh, with it, the specialization was in uh, and, and within a PhD, you have to be very focused and specialized in one specific area. So I focused on uh, the reliability of um, flexible electronics and in more particular flexible displays. So if you've ever seen like a that new commercial for the Samsung uh, uh, cell phone where they're bending it. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So uh, if, <laughs> if anything, you take something that wasn't meant to be bent you know, and then start bending it. Um, <laughs> it it definitely imposes some some problems. And if you've got critical applications um, where you don't want that device to fail, you have to understand why it fails. Yeah. And um and 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 you know going forward, what you want to do instead of having a flat, rigid surface like like your cell phone or iPad, you want to start integrating things like uh, a wearable electronics or a display that we, you would wear on your wrist or even built into your um, uh, combat uniform. So those types of applications, we, you know, we're always forward looking in terms of, you know, what's the next technology and what are the risks and, and issues we have with that before we deploy a new technology. Mm -hmm. You definitely don't want to develop something, then deploy it and then find out it's, it's unreliable. And, and then therefore you lose your reputation in the industry. Oh yeah, absolutely. Tom Martin, he is the VP of engineering over at uh, L3 communications in, uh, Alpharetta. Yes, we're located uh, just the intersection of 400 and, and McFarland Road. Oh, okay. right off great that location. Exit. Yeah, yeah it is. Absolutely. Well, Tom, tell us a little bit about, you know, the corporation, L3 as a company, and uh, how your division interplays in that, in that uh, organization. Well, it's a, um, it's a multinational corporation, but again, headquartered in the U.S., and um, there's divisions all over. We, we are um, a division that's about... Uh, over 100 million in revenue. And uh, we have uh, a little over 400 employees. And the nice thing is about our division is we are all under uh, one roof. So the entire uh, cradle to grave life cycle of the product is contained within our building. And hmm. what that means is, is starting from initial you know, concept uh, through business development, design, development, testing, and even production, and then even the final stage, which is where you support your product in the field, all that is housed under one roof. So the neat thing is, is if you come into the company, you know, some companies only specialize in one, one area of the life cycle of the product, um, maybe just the engineering area or maybe the production of it. We, we provide the, the, the full cradle to grave spectrum of, of our product life cycle. So mm -hmm. if you come in, you, you, you might start off in engineering, but you might find that you like, you know, supply chain logistics or you might like business development. So the, the neat thing about it is it's, you, you know, you get exposed to all different aspects of, you know, of an enterprise and you can then, you know, there's opportunities to move within our division. And then if you, you know, want, we also support people moving with, within the overall organization. So, we have divisions all around the country and the world. Okay, and is your division focused on specific, obviously specific products? You want to give us a, just a clue as to so? I presume this is high secure stuff, right? Um, I can't just walk in the door and mosey around over there, right? Correct, um, and and that makes it a little challenging for bringing people in uh, to to the company to, to show them things. Um, so we have to go through a security process, but. 
again, we um, we we do support um, uh, processing or, or processors that that take in a lot of video input and 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 uh, and display graphics and then present that to the pilot or you know special missions that that happen in the back of the plane. Um, so our customers include you know, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, um, and we're on several of the um, fighter aircraft like the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter right now. That's one of our you know, newer products that oh, we're yeah. working on. Yeah, yeah, wow. Uh, you know, my, uh, <laughs> my neighbor's uh, son went to the Naval Academy and he's flying off aircraft carriers and I just can't even imagine this kid that I knew was a little boy. Now he's just zooming around up there take, keeping us safe, you know? With yes. Products like you, you yes. guys provide them. That's just amazing. And, and, when, and like I said earlier, we, we support the warfighter. So everything we do, we have we have that person, you know, uh, you know, their, their safety and security in the back of our minds all the uh, time oh, and everything that we do mm-hmm. okay. when we design it, when we test it and when we build it and when we repair it. Okay. So do you guys have a lock on this, uh, industry or is there a competition and how do you guys differ and why are you better than the competition? Um, we, you know, like in any industry, there's always competition. Um, what we really focus on is understanding the unique requirements of our customer and meeting those and, and really tailoring the design and the product to those unique requirements. So, you know, like I said earlier, anyone could, could get a, you know, a dis, you know, an LCD display and try to integrate that into the cockpit. But, but for us, there are unique requirements that we try to understand. We, we meet with our customers, we meet with the end users, the pilots, and we, we truly, you know, invite them into our company, work with them one-on-one. There's a lot of human factors in this as well, because you also don't want to, you know, we, you want to supply them with enough information, but you don't want to overwhelm them with too much information to where they can't process all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's a combination of understanding what the, the pilots, you know, what is, what is essential for them to do their mission and, and their job and do it safely. Wow, it's uh, got to be a fascinating world. It's got to be exciting to, to get up and go in that environment every day, right? There's there's something interesting happening every day. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Tom Martin over at L3 Communications right here in uh, Alpharetta, in Alpharetta, Georgia, right here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. Thank for, you. Uh, talking technology. That's awesome stuff. So uh, what kind of people, you know, do you guys seek for employment? Uh, I mean, you went to Georgia Tech. I mean, is there a focus on the uh, people from the South or what? Well, you know, we, we try to reach out to Georgia Tech career fairs. And um, from an engineering perspective, we're interested in electrical, mechanical, software, industrial design. Mm-hmm. So, so, but that's just from an engineering perspective. But, but like I said, since we cover a broad range, we're also interested in people from um, other uh, disciplines as well, uh, supply chain management, uh, quality, production and operations, uh, procurement, so, mm-hmm. uh, and even business development and marketing. And we're not just, um, you know, narrow-minded in terms of just Georgia Tech, but we reach out to uh, across the Southeast. You yeah. know, we've attended uh, career fairs at Clemson, Auburn, Tennessee, and the like. Okay, great. Well, Tom, uh, are there certain aspects of, of working at L3 that are specifically unique to... Uh, well, I would definitely say, I would definitely say that we have the whole cradle to grave under one roof. And that makes it nice because you can... Um, you know, you can just walk to that particular person and, and, and talk to them. Yeah. And, uh, that is unusual. Yeah. 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 It, we find it, and it, it is a competitive discriminator for us in terms of when we're trying to win new product, we can bring our potential customers in Excellent. and say, Hey, you, you know, this is a one-stop shop. You're, we're not going to leave you when we, you know, design it or when we just build it, we will support it through the entire, you know, we we're supporting products over 25 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for some of the people that are into technology and all that uh, are there some new technologies that they can look forward to can we get a little insight into the, the secrets uh, of the world well w- without revealing too much um <laughs> we're, we're looking definitely into advanced display technologies like i said making them um uh, flexible um making them more um also transparent so it, at some point you can maybe you know, see through the display, you know, say you're on a helicopter and there's a lot of, you know, in the, in the front, there's a lot of glass, you know, putting displays on that so that you can see through it. But if need be, you can pop up and start putting like a moving map on that and so forth. Yeah. That must be really cool. I know it's hard to read, to to look at the iPhone and one in the sun. 
Yes. So, so that's it's, it's, if you're able to accomplish that, I, I need some of that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> See me after the show. Yeah. Is it a film that you put on top of it, or is it just embedded it, into the integrated into? Well, we work with. Um, we we start working with the original LCD suppliers. Um, okay. You know, over uh, in uh, Pacific Rim, we we work directly with them when they are you know developing it right off you know in their fabrication line. And, and developing that technology right inside the, the LCD. And then on top of that, we're able to apply special optical films that, that take advantage of certain features and, and uh, you know, defeat, you know, specular reflectance from sunlight and so forth. Okay. Well, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your company and uh, get more information about L3 Communications or um, meet, hook up with you at one of those job fairs. Yeah, um, uh, definitely. You know, we, we attend a lot of uh, Georgia Tech and, and surrounding college job fairs, like I said, Clemson, Auburn, Tennessee, and, and the like. Um, I, I'm also on LinkedIn, Tom Martin. You can, you know, search for me under, uh, you know, L3 Communications. And then you can also just, if you want to look up our company, you know, we're under l-3com.com. Thank you, Tom. Thank Good you. information. Great insight into L3 Communications. You've been, talk, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. And uh, let's just move on right on to our next guest, Sabrina Safran. Uh, she's with Fraser and Dieter. Uh, and, and you guys are also doing some pretty sophisticated things in uh, the area of risk and governance and those kind of areas, uh, comp, uh, compliance and stuff like that. Right, Sabrina? So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Frazier and Dieter in more detail? Sure. Thank you, Dom. Mm -hmm. uh, Frazier and Dieter is a CPA firm headquartered here in Atlanta. But the, the team that I lead, the practice that I lead is the process risk and governance group. And that's a dedicated team of individuals that are, in our Alpharetta office, our Atlanta office, also in Nashville and Tampa. And our team is dedicated to assisting clients essentially assess, identify, and mitigate risk. And mm. we do that in a number of different services, mostly being the internal audit and the controls attestation services. But we also have a lot of consulting services. And I think that's where we really help with a lot of the mid to small size companies who are challenged with managing risk and they're they have limited resources and really need the support of a trusted business advisor that can come in and really help them streamline their process and that's where i think we really shine yeah know what to look for put things in order get the right focus help them sort it out that's right like good stuff does that uh is, are these engagements, uh, you know, how do they how do they evolve when you get into an, a you know situation with a company? <laughs> well, it, they come to us in various different ways. I think the one that a lot of people will identify is for our SOC reporting, that's service organization control attestation examinations. A lot of our clients will call us and say, we have a target or we have a client that is requiring us to go through one of these examinations what is that? And that's actually a great conversation to have because we're able to really to take the requirement aspect out of the request and expand it to this is why it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. And this is why it's going to help your organization. It's going to help your customers. And it's really going to raise your profile in the community. Uh, as you go to market and you are competing with other companies that possibly have a more uh, developed control environment, going through one of these examinations is a way for a company to say to their customers, we understand the risk, we understand what you need from us, and here is our well-defined and audited process by an independent third party that can attest to the fact that we have taken your needs and your your requirements seriously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Sabrina, it's ironic that you uh, came on the show today. I recognize the name because uh, we're familiar with the, the SOC 2 certification compliance and all that. Uh, our company had to go through it, and I will attest that uh, Fraser and Dieter did a great job in getting us that uh, certification. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it just kind of sets you apart. It, it really does. Uh, it really sets you apart from the competition in many ways. People, a lot of companies can't afford to uh, just, you know, 
take the time or the investment to do that. But, um, you know, in the world of cloud hosting and stuff like that, you must have it. You know, you must have it. And, and that's the I think you, you touched on that that key point is it is a differentiator. There are a lot of competitors out there who have not taken that step. And what it does for CDI is it really puts you in a position to say, we can service your needs and we can also service the requirements that your customers have. Yeah, absolutely. Sabrina Saffron at uh, Freezer and Dieter, right in, uh, right in Atlanta, right on Peachtree. Right that's in right. the heart that, of Atlanta. That's where we're headquartered. Uh, half of our team is actually in Alpharetta. There's so oh. many technology companies up in Alpharetta, so we service a lot of a lot of those companies up here. Uh, but we have also a strong practice in in Nashville, the Nashville area, mm-hmm. and also down in Florida and Tampa. Oh, excellent, excellent. So you travel around a little bit? Yes. Things? While we have individuals in all of those offices, we have clients from Baltimore to Seattle, New Jersey to Florida. We we service clients all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of that is supported by technology. Very often, we're able to perform. Uh, our audit procedures, our attestation procedures remotely. Um, a lot of our public companies that require the Sarbanes-Oxley compliance were able to to be on site as well as doing a lot of testing remotely. Mm-hmm. And and I'd like to say that our, our practice is built, uh, myself and Jason Sammons, who's also a partner in our practice, we've both been, I like to say, on the other side of the table. <laughs> we've not only been auditors in, in Big Four, uh, but we've also been directors of internal audit and have owned that process, owned the risk, owned the responsibility to manage the any kind of attestation or audit requirements for the companies. So Frazier and Dieter, when they, when they introduced this practice nine years ago, it was coming from a place where we, we understand that organization's main source of revenue is not to be audited. But compliance and certifications and attestations are a necessary part of doing business. So having, like I said, being on the other side of the table, our approach and our methodology is to be as minimally invasive as possible, With but at the same time being able to support our partners and our, our clients in the attestation or compliance goals that they have oh yeah you know having that real you know like you said being on the other side of the fence really makes a difference when you walked in somebody else's shoes you really have an appreciation of what's going on that really adds a lot to uh, i think what you're doing there at fraser and dieter and it's got to be a differentiator for you know for what you do specifically um now culture what is compliance culture sabrina do you is there uh, is that a term that's Thrown around now? I throw it around it just, a lot. Is that cul- your own term? Did you <laughs> coin that term? I call it the culture of compliance. And have, having been on the other side of the table, being not just a cost center, but supporting the revenue center, understanding that a lot of companies have to really take a, a, another view on these, what we call requirements. Compliance can also be as we talked about, be a differentiator. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at the risks in an organization allows you to prioritize where you apply resources, but it also, sales and marketing is often our best friend because they're the front line, they're communicating what differentiates their organization from the competition. And if you look at the control environment that organizations focus on, um, that they spend time and resources on, uh, who really put that at the front of mind and top of mind in this very data-sensitive environment, those are the organizations that get the most positive feedback, the return on investment when they're not just complying, but they're actually making an investment in making the organization better. Okay. Okay. Well, Sabrina, you've got, uh, I guess, you know, quite a background on um, the area of uh, cybersecurity and, uh, and what entails, you know, risk in cybersecurity. And you've been doing, I guess, a lot of uh, presentations around the country in that, in that uh, specific category. So what are the keys, you know, what, what are you, what are you delivering 
in that message of of cybersecurity. How does that all shake out today? I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's, vast. It's a hot area. topic. It is. A, it, it is um, a hot topic. Starting in, I, I would say, after the Sony breach in late 2014, mm-hmm. I was continually being asked to speak, and the topic of cybersecurity was always the request. Um, I've been presenting for many, many years, and if I presented six times during a year, I would be presenting on six different, completely different topics. For 2015 and into the first quarter of 2016, it's all been cybersecurity. Uh-huh. Uh, the requests have come to get a better understanding of better, better control over what this means to organizations. Why is it important to to audit committees, board of directors, clients, customers, proc- even procurement managers. Um, and I would say that the the number of breaches and very high profile breaches, uh, trusted companies that we, our household names, have, be- have fallen victim to cyber attacks. And it's really filtering down into the mid and small size businesses. Mm-hmm. And they, you would assume that a large organization would have the controls and the resources in place to to mitigate this, the risks. But clearly we've seen that, particularly over the last 18 months, that, that is not true. So when you look at an organization that is a little tight on resources, mm-hmm. tight on time, um, how do they how do they manage this risk? Are you speaking to when you do your <clears throat> presentations or speeches? Are you are you talking to, to corporations or are these? What's the forum? What? There's a number of different audiences. Uh, being in internal audit, my main focus had been initially to talk to other internal auditors. What do we need to do to? What are the considerations when it comes to cybersecurity, cyber risk? What do we need to know to have um, conversations with our clients to help them to assess, identify, and mitigate risk? And it's really filtered throughout the business community where we have business owners, uh, individuals who are charged with the responsibility of protecting data. A lot of the, just recently in Tampa, I sat on a panel and moderated a panel of business owners who really just want to get their arms around this. What do they need to be doing? And to your initial question is, the, the first answer that I always give to businesses is understand what you're trying to protect. We obviously have organizations that have financial data. They have personally identifiable information, credit card information, social security information. Uh, and then there's also the healthcare, uh, pr- private health information. But beyond that, we've got millions of organizations that have proprietary, that have um, very sensitive data that they are not necessarily taking the steps to protect because it's not a regulated body of data. Mm-hmm. And my first my first uh, bit of advice is really what what do we need to protect? I use the analogy when you go into a hotel room and you have all of your luggage, what is it that you select to put into the safe? Mm-hmm. There's and and when you look at it from that perspective, when you understand even as a small business, if I can segregate the information that if someone came in, picked up and walked off with would do damage to the to the company and in some cases would end oh, yeah. an organization. Yeah. It becomes a lot less of a, a burden when you break it down. What do we need to truly protect? Do, do big corporations, are they more vulnerable or than a, a small or mid-sized company or is it just... Actually, it they're not. No? They're, that, that's a good question. Um, they're, they're going to be a huge target, obviously, no pun intended, but uh, they also will have controls, monitoring. They'll have resources in place to, to protect the mass amounts of data. Large number of, of individuals, uh, in some cases, uh, government bodies. There's, there's various threats out there that large organizations are having to protect themselves from. What is lost, I think, is cumulatively, when you look at the number of breaches, there are so many breaches to mid to small size companies that when 
you add it all together, the the pieces of data that are being breached is very significant. Mm -hmm. And so hackers know that. They know that the smaller companies may not have the the highly technical or monitored environments that keep them out. And so there are many hackers that would prefer to go after 10 small companies than spend the time trying to get into one large one. Yeah. Well, they know where to go, I guess, with the information. It's got to be worth something to someone. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it, right? That's right. And there's a large community of individuals that share that information amongst themselves to make the it's job. It's really hard easier. to comprehend. I mean, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? It really I mean, is. Why, why somebody would do something. I mean, it's, but who knows, right? Uh, well, this is interesting stuff where uh, you're listening to Sa- Sabrina Safran. However, she's a partner at uh, Frazier and Dieter. The The subject is uh, risk management, um, uh, security, governance. That's a great practice. And, um, you know, I'm sure it's, uh, it's something that uh, people like to hear about. Because, uh, you know, there's lawsuits involved. I mean, this gets into big bucks, right? Yes. I mean, it can really uh, damage. There's there's litigation. There's um, really the cost to manage a breach. Yeah. Yeah. Is is the first consideration. And then all of the subsequent. Well, you know, when you hear about it, it's crazy. I, I, you know, I'm a member of a, a health club organization that's well known in Atlanta, and and uh, I got a, I got a, I got a call. I got actually got a phone call and said our mm-hmm. our, our database has been breached and compromised, and uh, you need to do these steps. You know, follow that. Do this, 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 and this, and uh, you know, they didn't suspect that it would be a big problem, but. Nevertheless, I'm sitting there going, now, wait a minute, what, 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 could, what kind of damage could they do to me? Not, not to mention a company and, and, and having the, the potential of losing your, your business, right? That's right. I, I've given the example of a, an organization that only had 12 employees, but someone was able to hack into their payroll data and create fraudulent tax returns that really caused a lot of issues for those 12 individuals. And as as a business owner and as someone who's responsible for a large team of individuals, I feel it's important that even if you have a small organization, you have to take into consideration your clients and your employees mm-hmm. and the impact that a breach could have to them and really personalize it. Yeah, don't think it can't happen. That's right. right. I mean, that's uh, so, you know, is there a certain advice that you would give to a, a, just our listeners or business owners uh, when it comes to cyber security? Sure. Uh, there's there's a, a an issue that people feel that, it, like you said, it's it's such a large risk and it's such a large, a very complicated, scary area to to approach. Um, taking the first step in identifying what the date, what is the sensitive data that you have to protect? That's Mm -hmm. the first step. That really doesn't cost you any money. Uh, The second step is to look at the basic controls that should be in place. Very often, those, again, do not take a lot of time to implement. They don't take a lot of resources. It really just takes thought. Um, That's one of the larger benefits that I find our clients have is we're often coming to the table to them with advice that small changes in their environment, small controls implemented throughout the organization can make the largest difference, but they've never been in a position to, to, to consider those. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always appreciate working with these companies because we're bringing solutions to them that don't involve a lot of technology. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And common sense is not that common but unless you have someone who's dedicated to identifying what the organization needs, it's difficult to to say that you've really taken a look at your cybersecurity program. Are there are there common areas of weakness? You know, Absolutely. I mean, is there, are there top one or two or three that uh, well, I, I, you find every time you go into a company? This is not the most entertaining topic, but I will right. say that what one thing I find is is funny. It is, is when it happens to you. <laughs> no kidding. But we have so many organizations that have state of the art technology, yeah. very very sharp minds who are are charged with the governance of IT security. But all of that 
combined with human error mm. is very difficult to defend. Mm. So I would say that training and awareness is a very important part of managing risk and managing security. Okay. Uh, very often people have been victims of, of attacks not because there there was malicious intent internally or through a, a trusted a trusted vendor, but because someone was really just trying to do their job, and they did something that whether it's clicking on a link, whether it's issuing a, a wire to to help the organization achieve its goals, but inadvertently exposing them to a breach. Mm -hmm. So it's making making your internal resources your your even your customers and your business partners aware of the risks and what we need to do to prevent being being that vendor, being that victim. Okay. So what, what's the first step someone should do, um, you know, right now, if they're interested in contacting you, uh, just call you or oh, what's, sure. what's, what's um, the best way to reach out and get information on your website? Or There's a couple website? of ways. We, we do have information on our website. There's contact information. Uh, and there's links to to some knowledge management that really can help someone understand what they're up against. But we're always happy to sit down with someone and just have a conversation to identify where they are and where they might need to be. And if we can help them get to that place, we're happy to do it. That doesn't cost anything. No, it does not. Right. Well, that's great. Uh, we appreciate it. That's um, we've been talking to um, Sabrina Safran over at uh, Fraser and Dieter here in Atlanta. And um, that's great information. Thank you. Thank it's, you. A, it's a hot topic today for sure. All right. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we work with companies to outsource their IT support. Um, okay. Next up, we'll be talking with Terry Gass. 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 Thank you. Terry Gass. Okay. Over at Sterling Risk Advisors over in... Uh, is it Marietta, actually, or it's an Atlanta address? In but Atlanta, it's near yeah, Vinings. It's, it's near Vinings. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Well, Terry, tell us a little bit about You know, the subject of matter is uh, risk. I'd, so, I'd be remiss if we didn't start out saying that you can contact us about <laughs> any cyber concerns you have. There are insurance products for that, and Excellent. we are a full-service Atlanta-based uh, risk management consulting and insurance brokerage firm. We handle a number of diverse products and industries. Uh, we have five practices. The practices include our commercial and general, general commercial and construction, our professional liability, our benefits, and our personal lines. We have a surety department that issues bonds that support oh. our commercial and construction group. And each of these uh, groups match the appropriate products in the insurance world to their clients. But more than their products that they want to match, they want to give them advice and they want to be their trusted advisor as well. And they do that by learning that client's business. So we have industrial specialists that understand transportation and logistics, the real estate industry, the construction industry, Professional liability delves into medical malpractice in a big way. Mm. And we do this by learning what their business objectives are, what the government's doing about it, what's happening in the industry and the legislature and in the courts. Oh, yeah. You've got to keep up on it for sure. Uh, I, can, I can imagine that. Um, well, well, Terry, uh, you know, what, what role, you know, your, your, your title is Chief Support Officer. Now, um, to me, that's a little different. It it's is a little different. different twist. I know, and you know. it was a new position um, brought about two years ago. Sterling Risk Advisors was growing tremendously. They're a unique organization that wanted to keep their culture of supporting the producers as well as their employees. So they brought me in to manage resources. I make sure that everybody has the appropriate resources they need to service the clients. We do this by a number of ways in data management in our client database, but also making sure that internally, if someone's overwhelmed with new business on one day and someone else can help, we're willing to pitch in. And there's certainly a willingness to do that. It's part of the culture. Mm -hmm. It's part of what makes Sterling special. 
when I interviewed, I got a copy of a job description uh, that the last item actually said, you need a sense of humor. <laughs> and I thought, this is the place for me. There is a uniqueness and an appropriateness about this culture that makes it warm and welcoming for everybody. Yeah, yeah. How did they find you? How did you, did you have this title before? And No, no and I've never heard of this title before, actually, but I was recruited based on my background in customer service uh, with carriers and with brokerages. Also, I did a lot of modeling for workflow efficiencies in my tenure with carriers and in the brokerage business. So I would look at how we were doing things and see what was making it more difficult for our employees to satisfy the customer and meet the needs of the customer and address those barriers, either with new systems, with training, with making sure that employees are comfortable in reaching out to management to advise us of mm -hmm. what they need mm -hmm. or what the problem is. Sterling was a uniquely supportive culture in that regard. So it made it easy for me to come in and try and make some changes that were appropriate for our clients. Okay. So obviously, I can imagine that must take a little while to digest it before you start coming up with all these different ideas. You don't ideas. go in and make changes quickly. That's exactly right. You you sit back and you look at what's going on in the organization. Mm -hmm. um, we started very simply with meetings that expanded to a number of the practice groups and the staff mm -hmm. where we would say, who's in need of some help this week? Who has some time to help them? We rolled out in the last year a new system for data management that is a bit more secure that, than we had in the past and also allowed for our various employees to know what other tasks were going on on other desks. So if someone was out unexpectedly, we could step in and meet the needs of the client immediately. Okay, great. Terry Goss over at Sterling Risk Advisors in uh, Cumberland Parkway. Over in, uh, right. north, over in the north then. That's great. Uh, okay, Terry, so, you know, how does this culture come about? I mean, is it uh, something that you uh, kind of brought to them, or did they just say, we need this? They started in 2003, and the idea of the three founders was to make an agency that was producer-centric, feeling that the producers understood what their clients needed, and they would build an organization that supported those producers. Subsequently, we know the customer comes first, but we also know that it's good when an employee answers the phone and is smiling and is meeting the request for that customer. Mm -hmm. So in a number of ways, we're looking for good resources, but we're also looking to retain employees and make sure that those employees have the resources to be able to do their jobs correctly and to be able to do their job in a way that is meaningful to them, but also in a little bit of fun, has a little bit of fun for them as well. We share information. We're more collaborative than competitive. Um, various producers in various industries will uh, mentor one another on something that they may be uh, more unfamiliar with. We train our employees to be industry specific, but we also give them the opportunity to learn more about other industries that they may be interested interested in and move across company lines or practice lines pretty innovative i mean i don't know uh, a lot of companies that have that skill set i think it's pretty unique um, communication is the key mm -hmm. we have um, implemented all employee monthly meetings where we actually talk to all our employees about the financials and where our growth is and what they should expect in the future we give awards during those meetings. We recognize our employees. Excellent. We have breakfast, which <laughs> is always a big hit. Um, and so we look for a number of solutions from those employees as well. And when they come up with an innovative solution for a client or for our organization in taking down a barrier mm -hmm. for serving the client, mm -hmm. they get an award for that Excellent. also. Excellent. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy for companies to build silos. I mean, it just happens. It's human nature. 
I'm, I'm sure you know Tom can attest to that. Being in a big company, you know, you see it just yes. happens, right? I mean, yeah. it's just. It, it, but then it creates a, real, a, a whole different dynamics that that uh, it's a lot more difficult to deal with than bringing someone in like you and just uh, you know figuring it out. Well, and and to your point about a bigger company, we went in the 13 years we were in existence from 12 employees to 90 employees now. And it's very important for us to keep this culture of collaboration and of support for the employees and the producers in in a way that can meet our customer needs on a regular basis Mm -hmm. and to exceed those expectations for that customer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Terry. So, uh, you know, how does this all, you know, translate out to the clients and do they, you know, do you check with the clients to see if they've, you know, if it's been impactful or they've seen a difference in the company? We do. We have regular um, surveys that go out to the client. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, we go beyond insurance surveys and do a construction risk sentiment survey twice a year so that our construction clients can talk to us about what their concerns are the economy, the labor force, and then we can better understand what their objectives are and how we can meet them. I think some of the other challenges that we're meeting as well, um, McKinsey, the consulting firm, says that in the next two years, by 2018, there's going to be a reduction in insurance employees by about 25%. The baby boomers are leaving so much like Tom does, we reach out and have a very robust internship program, which again leads to a pipeline for us. We deal with risk management students at Georgia State University, which has a dynamic program. They support us in the fall and the spring. And in the summer, we bring risk management students down from the Athens area, from mm-hmm. UGA, and are able to employ them through the summer, give them the opportunity to learn about sterling and the insurance industry, and give us a pipeline to what is going on with the new students and the millennials and what they're interested in. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to Sterling Risk Advisors. Terry, that's uh, excellent information. It's a nice approach. I mean, it's, uh, you kind of, you know, just, it's not just selling insurance. I mean, you know. It certainly is not, and thank you for that. It is meaningful to our clients, I believe, mm-hmm. and certainly meaningful to the employees that we continue oh, the no, culture. No question. I mean, you know, when it comes down to, you know, where the rubber meets the road on day in and day out, uh, it's got to be a pleasant environment and it's got to translate into, you know, enjoying where you're, where you're working and then, you know, translating that over to your clients. They, they do recognize the difference, I'm sure. That's, that's excellent. So uh, how, does, how does it all play out in the future for Sterling Risk Advisors? What's coming and how uh, are there any other specific changes or uh, anything that uh, people should look for in your company? Well, I think you can continue to hear us reach out to you about um, products that are meaningful to you, including cyber. And you'll yeah, tell us about that. Is it something that's not quite there yet? or is It's it some... the insurance product is there. Uh-huh. It's convincing um, people that they need that product. And as more and more um, media attention is driven by breaches, it's hitting home. But we have people that really um, understand the cyber security risk mm-hmm. and are talking to our clients about it on a daily basis. Yeah. And we can address those needs through insurance products. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one wants to buy more insurance. I mean, we're all in that boat, right? Absolutely. But uh, it's certainly, you uh, need it, yeah, you when need you need it. it, you need it, right? And uh, sharing the risk there. I yeah. think you're going to hear us also um, in in the recruiting realm, um, making sure that we're able to address our clients' needs with enough support staff. Uh, we're locals, and our management's a flat organization, so when we need someone, uh, we're able to hire them. We don't have to go to Chicago or mm-hmm. somewhere else to ask for that permission, yeah. and we do that very effectively. Yeah, I'm getting a feeling it's kind of the right size uh, company. Thank you, know? you. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know, you can get things done, you know, it's and quickly, not, quickly yeah. and for the customer. And it's all about the customer. It sure is. You better believe it. Yep. Okay. Terry Goss over at Sterling Risk Advisors. Tell our listeners how they can get more information about you guys and, and find out about a great company. Everything is on our website. It's sterlingra.com. And you can read about our employees. You can see other postings of articles that have been written, white papers, and there's also contact information. 
about how to get in touch with us, with us to discuss your insurance needs. Excellent. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. You bet. You bet. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud brought to you by CDI Managed Services. Well, listen, uh, last but not least, she's been waiting all morning, Sarah Tantachi. Tatachi. Sarah Tatachi over at uh, Southern Center for Human Rights. We want to know about Southern Center for Human Rights. So lay it on us, Sarah. Tell us what you guys are doing. Sure. So at the core of the work of the Southern Center for Human Rights is a belief that every person, every person, is entitled to a fair shake and an equal opportunity when it comes to our court system. Um, There is... uh, incredibly beautiful words. Uh, There are beautiful words carved on the facade of our United States Supreme Court building that say equal justice under law. It's a promise that has been made to our to our whole society in America. It is at the foundation of what our our criminal justice system would should be. Mm. However, every single day, the Southern Center for Human Rights is seeing instances of how this promise is not being fulfilled in courts and on the streets throughout our community. Um, So the Southern Center for Human Rights is working to enhance dignity, fairness, equality, and justice when it comes to our criminal legal system. Mm -hmm. So it's the code. That's right. The code, the values. So what what values, uh, you know, does the Southern Center for Human Rights focus on? We believe that um, that uh, every person should have a fair shake, regardless um, of what color their skin is, regardless of the amount of money that they have, regardless of where they went or where they live. Um, every person who goes before our courts should have a chance to be um, to be treated fairly. And so um, we are really focusing on enhancing that. Uh, it's it's become very clear in in the 40 years that we've been in existence that that, that, that that's not the case. And so we are working to level the playing field um, so uh, that the kind of justice you get does not depend on the amount of money you have. Is it is it uh, tough sledding? I mean, is it really an uphill battle? Oh, certainly. It sure sounds great. It, it's, mean, it, it, we, we all want that. Yes. And um, I believe we are making steps in that direction every single day. And I believe we've come a far, um, a far distance. Does in the it take a years. lawsuit to make it? You know, is that what uh, I mean? That's, is that the bottom line? Well, what it does to wake people up. Is this a problem money can't solve? Um, well, you know, um, at the core of the Southern Center for Human Rights work um, is litigation. We are a nonprofit law firm um, based here in Atlanta. Um, and we do use litigation as a tool um, to to really shine a light on parts of our community that have otherwise been in the darkness. Um, sometimes uh, a state or a city needs to have the pressure of a lawsuit to make changes. Um, but we have also uh, very effectively used public policy advocacy advocacy um, and legislative work um, to to improve the system in Georgia. Okay, great. Sarah Tatanchi at uh, Southern Center for Human Rights. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, give us the lay of the land. Where does Georgia stack up? So um, the United States, if we just back up to worldwide, the United States has 5% of the world's population, yet 20% of the world's prisoners, um, which is just remarkable. We are the highest incarcerator in the world. Georgia, um, well, nationally, the rate of incar- uh, the rate of uh, people under correctional control, which means the number of people who are in prison, on probation, on parole, or in jail. Um, nationally, it's one in 31 adults. Here in Georgia, the rate is one in 13. That makes us the fourth highest incarcerator in the country, in the country hmm. which uh, by default makes us the fourth highest incarcerator in the world. Oh. So our criminal justice system in Georgia is wide and it is deep. It affects people of all, um, of all demographics, um, and uh, it, it is a serious part of our community. There seems to be a lot of focus on it. Uh, I mean, it's just not the first time I've heard this. It's right. the numbers are staggering, and the cost is just getting way out of control. That's our, that's right. And actually, um, though, typically, uh, my, uh, we don't tend to land on the same side politically as our governor. Um, I have to applaud Governor Deal for mm. making this a priority, really the cornerstone of his administration. Since 2011, um, he has. Has, uh, prioritized criminal justice reform in Georgia. He has um, put out a call that we have to stop this uh, old political mantra of being tough on crime and instead be smart on crime. We need to treat addiction as a disease and not just throw people who have um, have 
uh, the disease of addiction into prisons and jails and hope that the problem is solved. We have to use cost-effective measures because we simply can't spend our way out of this mess. And actually, as we were sitting here today, um, uh, Governor Deal signed the 2016 criminal justice reform bill, which um, the Southern Center for Human Rights worked very closely on, um, which we believe will enhance fairness um, and equality in the system in many different ways. Wow, you just signed it. Yeah, literally wow. at 10 o'clock today. Right here on Silver Lining in the Cloud. <laughs> We've set another another record. Wow, that's excellent. <laughs> Glad we had you in today. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 it's good news all around. Sarah, tell us uh, over at the Southern Center for Human Rights, um, you know, how, how has the organization evolved in terms of uh, responding to today's specific needs? You know, because it's, it's, I mean, you can get lost in this quagmire, right? I mean, it's... Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, one of the pieces um, I'd like to mention as a very strong current focus of the Southern Center for Human Rights is tackling the criminalization of poverty. Every day we see examples of how people who do not have um, uh, enough money get treated to second-class justice in our system. The thing that's really insidious about this is is that it is so pervasive. Um, What I'm talking about when I talk about the criminalization of poverty is I'm I'm not talking about... um, very serious crimes. I'm talking about traffic offenses. I'm talking about speeding or failure to yield to a pedestrian in a crosswalk. Um, if you or I were to, um, were to get a ticket for that, we would go to court, we would um, we would grit our teeth and we would write a check and be done with it and never think about it again until maybe our insurance rates rise as a, as a consequence. But if um, you don't have that money to write that check on the day, you get put on a payment plan. Um, but it's uh, but it's uh, it's a payment plan that's monitored by a private company that also puts an additional fee on top of that. So a person who has less winds up paying two and three and four times more than you or I would. And just to give you an example of one of our clients, um, a man named Adel Edwards from Pelham, Georgia, which is in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an older African-American man um, who has intellectual limitations. He is destitute. He has no running water in his home, and he got a ticket um, for burning leaves in his yard without a permit. Now, this is not, I mean, this is not the crime of the century, burning leaves. Um, He, uh, when he went to court, he got a $500 fine because he couldn't pay it that day um, with the private company. His fine went up to $1,028, and Mr. Edwards left court that day um, in uh, a police ca- in a police wagon in handcuffs and was taken straight to the jail because he couldn't afford to pay a $250 down payment that the private company was insisting upon. Um, it wasn't until um, people in his community rallied um, and raised that money that he was able to get out. Um, and so we actually filed a lawsuit on behalf of Mr. Edwards and others in similar situations. And um, as mm. a consequence, um, we're successful in shutting down the private company that was preying upon um, him and other vulnerable people. Um, we really see this as an issue that is impacting so many people across our state. Um, and so it is something we are prioritizing right now. Thank you, Sarah. That's nice to know there's a watchdog out there to help people like that. It's, uh, it can get out of control real quickly. Um, you know, this, you know, this, uh, you know, the ticketing system, I mean, it's, uh, if they need revenue, just, just ask for it, you know? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, what we see time and time again is that the criminal justice system is the part of our society that has been least impacted by the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of work to be done. Um, we feel that there is great progress happening. Um, we appreciate the awakening that's happened in the last few years in this country based on um, the High, many high-profile um, acts of uh, police misconduct. Um, many more people are paying attention. Many more people are asking questions. Um, and the Southern Center is here to respond to those questions. Okay. And as a, as a, as a, I think it sounds like it's a pretty major movement and to, to change in the culture. And the Southern Center for Human Rights is playing a big role. Is there something uh, going on right now that... Uh, you know, they're making an impact on? Um, absolutely. Um, I do. I agree with you. It is a big movement. And when and it, you know it's a movement when groups like the Southern Center for Human Rights and Governor Nathan Deal are holding hands and moving forward together. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really excited about what's coming in the next year. Um, this it, Governor Deal has two more years in office, and next year is probably going to be the heaviest lift. Um, and we are looking at um, major overhauls of parts of our system that have been problems for years. Um, we want to, we want to, 
spend taxpayer dollars more effectively, but also um, continue to improve public safety and hold people accountable when they need to be. Mm-hmm. Is there a specific, uh, you know, area that's pressing more than others right now? I mean, is there something that uh, that you can tell us uh, that is you know, more current, more prevalent Mm -hmm. in the current justice system? Well, you know, um, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention our work fighting the death penalty. We believe the death penalty is the most extreme act of of the government. And um, here in Georgia, actually tonight, um, we are scheduled to have our fifth execution of the year. Just for some perspective, um, we have we had zero new death sentences in the last year and a half in Georgia. So even though um, our community, our DAs, our juries have stopped really looking to the death penalty as an effective solution, we still have so many people on death row that we have executions. Um, and uh, when you look nationwide, only 2% of counties, 2% of counties are actually imposing the death penalty anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is on its way out, um, and we will be there when it ends. <laughs> and, um, uh, and I believe that ending the death penalty in the United States would bring us in line um, with, with the sort of platform of human rights that we, uh, we hold other people to. Well, Sarah, you sure know how to strike a nerve. You're hitting, <laughs> you're hitting some sore spots there this morning. You we know, we are not uh, always the most are... <laughs> popular people in the room, but we are very proud of the work we do, and we feel very strongly that um, that we are on the right side of history. So is, what's this case in the Supreme Court in November? What was that? Is that um, what this was? Yeah. Uh, this, well, it was a death penalty case. Um, it's very, very rare that um, the Supreme Court will actually give you a chance to argue your case. And last year, they they did that for us. Um, our client um, was an 18-year-old boy. Um, he was a teenager when he was uh, tried for the murder of an elderly white woman. Now, I don't want to diminish um, the severity of his crime Um there is no death penalty case that's that's pretty. Let's just be real. But the problem with this case is that um, he was tried by an all-white jury. And we uncovered years later um, that the prosecutor intentionally struck all the black prospective jurors from the panel. Um, now, we have the proof. In fact, um, as my colleague argued to the U.S. Supreme Court, we have an arsenal of smoking guns that the prosecutor broke the law and struck uh, all the black people. He highlighted all the names of black people in green. He had a code that said B1, B2, B3. He compared them to each other. If we have to have a black, then B3 wouldn't be so bad. Mm. Um, he argued to the all-white jury that they need to send a message to the people in the projects. This case was fu- infused with race discrimination, which is totally unacceptable. Mm. Um, and so we argued this case at the U.S. Supreme Court in November. This is a case out of Rome, Georgia, um, and we are anxiously awaiting the response, which um, due to um, Justice Scalia's death is taking a little bit longer. Oh, but sure. We hope sure. to hear any day now. Wow, wow, wow. Sarah Tatanchi at uh, Southern Center for Human Rights. And I'm imagining in my mind what kind of an organization this is. Tell us, give us a little insight to what kind of people work at your center there. Thank you for asking that. I feel um, I have a lot of love for my colleagues um, who are just a dynamic group of lawyers and investigators and um, administrative staff who um, could be making far more money um, going to a private law firm, um, really. They are some of the most brilliant, talented lawyers I've known. They they went to the best law schools, but they are doing this work because they believe in it um, and because because they believe this is their calling. Um, we ha- have a lovely office in historic uh, downtown Atlanta. Yeah, um, right in the heart of it. That's right. We, we actually bought our building after uh, a large settlement in a case where we represented severely uh, people with severe mental illness in a prison in, in uh, Louisiana. We look upon the side of the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a court we work a lot with, and... Um, we just love what we do. Sarah, there's a lot of battles out there. How do you pick the battles? Um, we try to go to the places where, where we are needed the most. We also want to take cases that'll have the biggest impact. Rather than improving the conditions in one town or one court or one jail, we would rather um, impact many uh, places. And, and that's why we do class action litigation. Oh, okay. So precedent setting and, exactly. and that kind of stuff. Right. Wow. That's, 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 that's great stuff. I mean, that's, that takes a lot of... Uh, it takes a lot of work to to get, you know, changes that you're talking about. Does it get frustrating? 
at times it can be sad. I'm sure if this execution goes through tonight, I'm going to feel sad and um, angry tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. um, however, when we do have victories and we do have considerable victories, um, they are just phenomenal. And um, there is nothing better than um, winning in a David and Goliath type scenario. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. When you slay the dragon, man, it always feels good, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else you can tell our listeners about the Southern Center for Human Rights that you'd like to get the word out of? We would love for you to get involved with us. Um, you can find us um, at our website, which is www.schr.org. That's schr.org. You can call us at 404-688-1202. And we are all over social media. Come follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, we would love to hear from you. Um, we are looking for people who, um, who believe that all all people should be entitled to a fair shake and an equal opportunity in our courts. Okay. Do you take donations? We we certainly welcome <laughs> donations. We are a, we are How are a, you funded? We are a nonprofit. Um, we we um, take no state or federal dollars because um, you can't sue the state or yeah. the federal government because when you're the taking agenda. the money. Yeah. Right. And so we rely on the generosity of donors from across the country. We um, we welcome you to our fold, and um, we promise you we are consistently rated as a four-star organization by Charity Navigator. So you know when you give to the Southern Center, you are making a real difference, and your money is being put to great use. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. If you uh, have been impassioned by uh, some of what you've heard today, help them out, folks. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Help them out. Okay, uh, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Thank you to our guest. Uh, today, Tom Martin over at L3 Communications, Sabrina Safran at Fraser and Dieter, Terry Goss at Sterling Risk Advisors, and Sarah Tatanchi at uh, Center for S uh, the Southern Center for Human Rights. We really appreciate you guys for what you do, what you bring to the community, uh, the work you do, uh, the passion and the leadership, the thought leadership, and uh, and just you know helping our economy as well. Thank you for having us, Tom. You bet, you bet, Tom. Uh, I'm Dom Rainey on behalf of CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their IT investment in infrastructure and cloud computing. As a reminder to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember when it comes to IT solutions and support, CDI Managed Services is your. Silver lining in the cloud. <laughs>